This is the reality. Hello again. Welcome to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of Jesus Christ to change lives for the good, for good. If you've got a story to tell of how God has changed your life, I would love to hear from you. Drop me an email, if you will, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by a radio ministry called Sure Reality. Find out more at our website, surereality.net. Founder of Preach the Blood Ministries, Nathan Wilde chased after women and a culture of underground nightlife. Nathan had found a relationship with Jesus as a child, but as he reached his later teens, he became caught up in the wrong crowd. He ended up in some very dark, deep valleys of drug experiences and demonic encounters. So we ended up in this underground culture of nightlife. And, um, you know, once you get in that environment that the drugs is the end thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the temporary situation that it makes you feel in that moment, you know, the high that you feel is just beyond what you can explain. I actually said to God, I said, God, if you're real, I said, show me what light and dark is. We were doing mushrooms at a friend's house. And, and then the person that was stood in front of me pointed to me and said, there's an angel behind your head. But I was sat around the campfire and three of them, looked at me and started to demonically laugh. Nathan then experienced the power of the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of his life. God had given Nathan a vision to preach the gospel to the nations. I chatted with Nathan Wilde for today's reality via Skype. Very good to have Nathan Wilde today on The Reality. Nathan, you've got an incredible story to tell of uh, how Jesus stepped into your life. Uh, In your words, you were in a very deep, dark valley. Tell us about it. Yeah, um, I came to faith about six years ago. Um, But practically before that, you know, I ended up in some deep, dark valleys. I was, you know, doing a lot of drugs and uh, messing around with drink. Uh, I had demonic experiences. And I, I was brought up in church, um, but unfortunately for me, I didn't have a personal encounter with God and with the Holy Spirit. So because of that, you know, when you don't have that encounter with Jesus, you know, you end up on your own path, your own way. You know, mm. I was I was really seeking a, you know, money, prosperity, um, but didn't realize that, you know, the end was was bitter. So how did it all start out? I believe you got into into drugs and, uh, in your words, an underground nightlife. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, basically, when I was 19, I made a decision that I didn't want to go to church anymore. Um, my grandfather was a minister for many years. Um, you know, my dad now owns the, the church, local community church. Um, but for myself personally, I didn't want to be in that environment. You know, it was a case of, you know, I want to live my own life and do my own thing, basically. Uh, you know, God gives us free will, but when we have make our own choices, ultimately we make our own decisions. And so I started going out at the weekends, mm. you know, we'd go out doing dr- drinking and so forth. And this, I'd be sometimes out from Friday till about Sunday, you know, mm. and I, I wanted more. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until really the last year or really that I got into drugs and, and I didn't take specifically that many drugs. But it was a case of, you know, when you've when you've tasted of the world, you, when you've tasted of the, the underground nightlife, you know, it, drugs is really the generic thing, you know, ecstasy, hmm. you know, um, you know, hallucinogenic drugs, you know, you get all different kinds of drugs. Um, but for me, it was a case of that, you know, uh, I was in, I got enrolled with the wrong people, at the, you know, at the wrong time. And I think, you know, uh, 
ultimately you you are you become who you hang around mm. um, and I was hanging around the wrong people and mm. and so we ended up in this underground culture of a nightlife I used to go to some festivals there was a place in called mint festival that was in Leeds I used to go to warehouse project for three four consecutive years I'd see people like above and beyond and Alman van Buren and some of what we would people would know as the, the world's most renowned DJs, you know, and, um, you know, in those environments, it, it, it tends to be that, you know, once you get in that environment that the drugs is the end thing, cause it's having that, that experience. We want to have an experience, you know, that we've not had before and we want to feel good. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the temporary situation that it makes you feel in that moment, you know, the high that you feel is just beyond what you can explain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, 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 it was in, it was, it, at the time it seemed like fun, hmm. but as time goes on, you know, you find that you, you want more hardcore drugs and, and so forth. And it, it's just chasing after something that's really just, it's not there. So, hmm. uh, you know, I often think about these, uh, young people in, in the nightclubs and, and, uh, even just on the street and they get offered a drug, hmm. uh, you know, we've got so much education out there in the schools, in homes, uh, on the media telling us that it's not good it's dangerous you can get hooked on drugs you know when you were offered your first i don't know whatever it was cannabis whatever drug it was you were offered first did you not think about you know what what people have said about drugs and how dangerous it is well yeah you can you know for me people can tell you how dangerous drugs are you know they can say they're dangerous um but you know ultimately it's it comes back to this free will for choice and trying to fit in with the in crowd you know um and ultimately you know when you when you when you first take a drug it's it's all you know it's 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 about having a good time you know trying to have a good time you know to get on a level with your friends mm. and and the reality is 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 that it just doesn't it doesn't end up that way you know it, it is it's just, it's this is why people get hooked on drugs because yeah. they have that experience, but then they f- they find themselves needing more because the high that they had before they couldn't get last time. Yeah, get it. Do you ever, did you ever feel that you know you're in control, you can handle it? You do, yeah. You do feel in control, and 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 I realised, thankfully for me, I wasn't really that naive. I was quite thankfully. I had to, for some reason, I didn't get hooked on the drugs. I realised it was it was a deception. This was because this was the last year before I got saved and it was practically a few months before I got saved that I really realized that this is a deception. If I keep doing the same thing again and again and again, you know, it's ultimately going to it's going to destroy me. Mm. And uh, I thank God for that, because that was a was a warning sign back then. I mean, basically what happened to me was is I was in a house and uh, somebody came in and he was like a drugs distributor for the local area. And he, he, he basically planted two kilograms of drugs on the table and we're talking you know, MDMA is probably about 40 grand for that amount, wow. you know. Um, and so he was obviously letting us test the batch, you know. And, and so, you know, the reality was is, is it's just it's a it's a complete deception. But the momentary satisfaction of that was great. Hmm. Um, but, you know, if you if you come from a place where you're, you know, you're really broken, you know, and you've got things going on at home. I mean, a lot of people come from broken backgrounds. You know, you've got family situations. You can understand the weekend is 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 the go getter because it's like you know it releases that pressure releases that uh, ultimately you know away from the world for five ten minutes really mm-hmm. when you think about it mm-hmm. um, but it, it it is inconceivable what it really does to you. 
Yeah, I can get that. Yeah. Uh, but you also mentioned um, some demonic encounters and witchcraft. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this was leading up to me getting saved. Um, you know, I will share a little bit more about this, but I ended up in a situation in a relationship with a girl. And, um, you know, after that, she had a child, but the child turned out not to be mine. So it was pretty horrific for me. You know, it was quite embarrassing and humiliating. But this is mm-hmm. when the, 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 the dark areas started. It was a kind of like... Um, I said to, I actually said to God, I said, God, if you're real, I said, show me what light and dark is. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to see what's really real and what's false. If you're really real, then please show me. And this was literally about eight months before I got saved. You know, the, the first demonic encounter I had was, is I was actually, it was doing mushrooms at a friend's house and he offered me the drugs and I said, I'm not going to do them here. So me and my friend left him. We went to another house and we sat in the house and we took the mushrooms and then obviously you start to hallucinate because it's a hallucinogenic drug but it's it's actually a witchcraft inducing drug Mm -hmm. and so you start to see the spirit realm as it actually is you know now god opened my eyes the enemy could have used it to create a deception but god actually used it to open my eyes and didn't see this at the time but i was at the house and then as after us taking the drugs you know the 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 father of the son that gave me the drugs, he walked into the house and he'd just done the mushrooms and he was with his friend. So now there's four of us in mushrooms in this environment. Hmm. And he sits down next to me, the father of the son, and you could just see something very demonic on him. It was it was it was heavy, that room, an indescribable fear, you know. Hmm. And and then the person that was stood in front of me he pointed to me and said, There's an angel behind your head. There's two angels. And this man stood up. And I know word of a lie, he looked at me directly in the eye and he could not take his eyes off. His eyes were fully open. And so I didn't fully understand it at that time, but he couldn't sit still. He started walking back and forth from the door. And, and, and I saw the two sinners on the cross and I saw Jesus in the middle. And, and, and in the middle of this demonic encounter, you know, it was pretty terrifying. So I ran out of that house and somehow I managed to drive uh, to the son's house. And so we get to the house and the next thing I know, I'm in the back garden and the rest of the lads were already there. I mean, some of these were local drugs distributors. Some of them, you know, were obviously doing a lot of stuff that I I didn't necessarily know about. But I was sat around the campfire and three of them looked at me and started to demonically laugh, Hmm, hmm. literally demonic laugh. So I'm sat around this campfire, but it's not you're in the spirit realm. It's, it's hard to explain, but you can see, and, and, and the enemy was laughing and mocking. And I remember saying, and then somebody offered me a chocolate, and I, and I basically stood up and I said, I don't know what this is, but I am not part of this. I flicked the chocolate in the fire, and I walked out the door and I went home. Hmm. And, you know, it was, it, you know, I woke up in the morning and I thought it was just the drugs. But it was that that environment there in itself was it was it was a real exposure to the spiritual realm because wow. the spirit realm is more real than the physical realm we just don't see it right. and right. and when you've been exposed to it like that you see it in a different way that you've never seen it before hmm. so this was the this was the first act of witchcraft you know the second one was you know um Pretty much that uh, I was in a hotel room with a girl and, you know, I thought something else was going to happen that night. But she starts to break down and starts mm-hmm. to cry. Mm. And she starts to explain to me about a situation where her parents had been involved in doing Ouija boards. And because of this, there had been certain things that had happened to the family that had been caused through directly through being involved in this act of witchcraft. 
and I still, you know, wasn't there yet. I wasn't there. I was, you know, but the the Lord was speaking to me through these situations, you know, mm-hmm. and he does this. He does this. When you ask genuinely with a genuine heart, he will start to show you, you know, and open your eyes and, and you know, and the other time was, and uh, this was the crazy one, is that, you know, uh, the person who gave me the drugs, you know, at the time, I also would just spend a bit of time with this person. But, you know, he sat me down and he said, he said, you know, I, I did a voodoo ritual on someone. And he said, that person, the car flipped over and the person that she was with died. Hmm. And so I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I knew this person and I knew that had happened. And so I couldn't deny it again. You know, something had happened, you know, it, something was going on, mm. but I wasn't there yet. And in the process of this, in the process of all this, I saw a testimony by a man na- by the name of John Ramirez, an evangelist. I saw his testimony online of he was a, as a witch, witch warlock for 25 years. You know, he used to run the region of New York. He was the third highest devil worship in New York City. Mm. And, and, you know, he started to tell his testimony, but he said something in his testimony that I'll never forget. He said, it's not that your God is not all powerful. He said, it's the vessel was weak. Mm. It had no prayer life. It had no fasting. It had no word life. Mm. And, it, and it stuck with me to the point that it didn't shift me. It was so direct what he said. But again, this didn't finish me off. And we're talking now two acts of witchcraft, the testimony, and it's still... You know, it's not enough, but, you know, the, the final act was the night before I got saved. You know, I was in a place where I was with a friend in the in a pub, in a local pub, and, you know, we was just discussing things, and I, and I, and I asked him, I said, Nathan, I said, it was a friend called Nathan, I, mm-hmm. said, I said, Nathan, I said, why are you back from the army? I mean, he just literally left to go on training, and and, and he basically said it had to come back because he had to have cancer removed from a section in his body. And so I was like... I was surprised about this because about three, four weeks before that, his brother was in an incident in my own hometown with a with a, a, a guy called Dominic Doyle. And this individual had been stabbed to death. And, you know, so it was very serious. And so Nathan had come back from the army, you know, after two weeks of training, had to have cancer removed. His brother had almost been stabbed to death and had also found out that his mother, died, mother had had cancer six months previous to this. Mm. So I looked him directly in the eye, and I don't know ask, ask me why I asked him this question, but I must have been God telling me to ask. But I said, said, have you been messing with Ouija boards? And he looked at me and he said, he said, yes, we did one over seven, eight months ago. And he said, do you think that's why things are happening? Mm-hmm. Well, well, that was it. I literally almost broke down in tears because now God had really got to the point. I mean, leading up to that final week, a lot of spokesmen said, son, he said, I love you. He said, if you give your life to me, I'll use you in a way you could never even imagine. He said, but if you don't, he said, your life's going to get out of control. And I knew that was God speaking to me. But the the, the, the witchcraft and the darkness, you know, and, and God revealing the spiritual realm to me in those elements was really an eye opener. And it was literally 24 hours and I gave my life to the Lord. It's been a process. You know, God is there willing to open up to anyone that will receive salvation. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a Sure Reality Vision Partner. To partner with us, please visit the website, surereality.net, and click on Become a Vision Partner.
Hello to you, a very special welcome. If you've just joined us, my name is Dudley Anderson, so good to be with you. If you've been listening up to date and you've got some questions, I would love to answer those questions or perhaps direct you to somebody who can answer those questions. Write me an email, if you will, dudley at surereality.net. As we listen to the story of Nathan Wilde, maybe maybe something he's said has just touched your heart and you'd like to talk about it. Again, write me an email, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, and you can listen again to today's program at the website surereality.net. Well, today on The Reality, we're talking to evangelist Nathan Wilde. Nathan has shared with us how he heard the message of Jesus Christ as a child, but when he hit his later teens, he drifted and he became engrossed in the underground nightlife. He began experimenting with drugs and was soon captivated in a world of substance abuse and the occult. However, Nathan was raised in a Christian home, so all through his early life the Lord his God had his hand upon him. And then one day, after experimenting with magic mushrooms, Nathan experienced the demonic realm. He was very troubled by demons for some time, until the power of God and the blood of Jesus broke through into Nathan Wilde's life, and he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. Now Nathan runs an evangelistic ministry called Preach the Blood Ministries, preaching the gospel of Jesus and helping young people battling with substance abuse to heal up and find hope in Jesus Christ. Preach the Blood Ministries owns a bus which is aimed to spark and stir a revival in the nation of the UK where Nathan lives and to help bring people back to God. Nathan's heart is to see the nations around the world get back to the heart of the gospel and the blood of Jesus. I chatted with Nathan Wilde via Skype. Well, it's really great to be able to speak to uh, Nathan today, finding out a little bit about his life and what an amazing story. You know, uh, Nathan, um, we could go on and talk a lot about how drugs open the mind and therefore the soul and the spirit to demonic force and, and spiritual forces, as you've rightly explained to us. Um, but, you know, uh, part of your story is you used to go to church as a youngster. You went to Sunday school, I'm assuming, uh, and got God's word into your heart. You know, the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. And even through those dark valleys, those dark days of your of your, your later teenage life and early adult life, um, that word of God was still in you, in your spirit man, because it was placed there by God's Holy Spirit. And he was watching over that word. And every time you had an experience, a spiritual experience in the demonic or a, a drug-related experience, it was that word that was in your heart that kept nudging you. And so you came to this point in your life when it, uh, it all just culminated and, and suddenly that word just flourished and, and you realized, this is it, I've got to give my life to Jesus. So that moment, that very moment, how did that happen? How did you stop and say, okay, Jesus, you're real, come into my life? Yeah, the moments after the witchcraft and going to church on a Sunday morning, I knew before I got into that church, I said, today, I am saying this prayer salvation and I am giving my life to God. You know, and I literally, I walked into that church. I didn't know what this, I can't even remember what the sermon was. But I waited for the preacher to finish his sermon. And as he, as he said, he said the prayer of salvation. I knew in my heart something had changed because I was breaking down in the church. But the, the, the power of God, hmm. I have never experienced anything like salvation. When you give your life to the Lord, that 
it is an amazing experience. There really is no high like the Most High God. Hallelujah. You'll never, ever replace that. And and once you've experienced that and you come to acceptance of who Christ is and what he's done for you, wow. And so you, the thing is, when you get saved, you don't even realize. You don't realize what's just happened. So you just know that you've had a heavenly encounter with God. Amen. Wonderful. The most Pray. powerful experience I've ever had. Praise God. And I'm assuming the drugs stopped immediately. Yeah, the drugs stopped immediately. You and know, any, I'm any... not saying the trials stopped, but the drugs stopped immediately. Okay. And and the, the, the demonic um, experiences, were you able to look back on that and say, Jesus is Lord and, you know, the devil is under my foot? Absolutely, yes. I mean, it was interesting that, you know, literally six days after I got saved, you know, obviously I did stop doing the drugs. But, you know, we was on our way to a party. I mean, I'd literally just experienced God for myself. We basically ended up in a car crash. And wow. the car hit head on collision. Oh. How on earth we survived that crash, I don't know. But I remember getting out the car my, and the person that was with me at the time, you know, it, we, we believe it was possibly, he was possibly a drug dealer. Um, but, you know, he hit my uncle in the face and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go over to the side of the road and just start praying. Hmm. And literally, I started praying within literally 30 seconds, six cop cars that were going to another job, three of them stopped and hmm. diffused the whole situation. And, you know, wow. I've experienced the power of God, um, but there has been some trials in that situation. Tell you us know, about a trial. It's, it's powerful. Tell us about a trial. I think... <laughs> I think um, you know when we get involved in a in in a in the body of Christ, when we get involved in a local church, you know, uh, God will put us through a process that will humble us. You know, ultimately, you know, God wants us to be completely healed and also to humble ourselves before Him and to be renewed and to be changed. Mm-hmm. And so, when we come into a church, we have to be tested, tried, and also, you know, sometimes people won't accept us. They will reject us even in the church. In fact, most of the time you'll find that people will reject you in the church. They'll misunderstand you. You know, and those things can be very difficult when it's your own brothers and sisters. It's different when it's out there in the world. Mm. But when it's in the church, it's so very, very difficult. Mm. But if you can get out the other side of that and recognize your identity and, and understand who you are in Christ Jesus, then, you know, you'll go through that process. You know, sometimes we have to, we have to, all Christians have to go through a forgiving process too. Amen. You know, we all have to go through forgiveness in and out of the church. You know, God forgave us as much, and so we have to forgive much. Amen. And it's sometimes it's hard to forgive when we, when we feel hurt, when we feel offended by people, but we have to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood against principalities and against powers in Ephesians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that, you know, sometimes when we go through certain things, we don't have to get at people because we can understand what's really going on, you know. Um, and, you know, it, when we come out the other side of that, we're, we, we, come out with, we come out with spiritual discernment, we come out with more joy, we yeah. come out with more peace, we come out with more love, we come out with more respect. You know, and, yeah, and, and also God uses them situations to deal with us, you know. Amen. Um, and I, would, I wouldn't regret anything that's happened to me. I have the greatest pastors I could ever. It amazes me that God has given me such beautiful pastors as my leaders and that, you know, they, they're standing by me. 
and it, and that for me, you know, when you've got your pastors behind you, Amen. you know, and God's did people stand with it's right before the Lord, you know. So I, I genuinely thank the Lord for the trials that I have been through because if He didn't gone through that, I wouldn't be in the place I am now to be able to receive what God has now given to me, mm. and I wouldn't be able to actually res- probably I probably wouldn't have the same respect and honor towards. Uh, leaders and also other people that I do now because of those trials. Praise you God. Know. Well, uh, you've founded a ministry called Preach the Blood Ministries, and I love that title because uh, the Bible says that we've overcome the devil, and you've had some demonic encounters. We've overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, and the word of our testimony. And you're testifying uh, to to the blood of Jesus, even as, you, as you're giving your testimony here uh, today, Nathan. But quickly, tell us, what is Preach the Blood Ministries? Yeah, Preach the Blood Ministries, uh, you know, and I'll explain this so people can understand. You know, it didn't start off this way. You know, Preach the Blood Ministries didn't start off as a ministry. It is a message. But, you know, God got a hold of my life in 2018 in a a time of prayer and fasting. And, you know, as that time went on, you know, I, I had my hands laid on full of the Holy Spirit. And then I waited for confirmations before I move because you always wait for confirmation from the Holy Spirit before you move on something because people have to, you know, not people that have to identify you, but there has to be that confirmation from those that know God. Um, and also as well that you make sure you know what you're doing when you're moving out in faith. Mm-hmm. And so we started moving out in faith. We started going out on the streets, but you know, I opened a website and the Lord said to me, he said, don't put it in your name. He said, put it on the name of the message, which was preached the blood. And because it takes it away from the name of the evangelist and it puts it on the message. Mm. And and we're now in a generation where people really don't know the blood of Jesus because it's become about everything else. Mm. And so in my desire and purity to serve God and do the right thing, I put it in the message as God has requested me to do so, so that even if I fail, the message never will because the message remains true and it remains pure. Amen. And it does ask the question with unbelievers, what does the message mean? You know, so when we're out on the streets, when we take that bus out there and there's people with me and they ask somebody else, they say, what's the name of that message and what, what does it mean? It's an instant conversation straight to the heart of God. Amen. You know, and, and in the aim is to ultimately provoke those to salvation, that they will receive salvation. You know, and and have their own relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is ultimately what we should all want for unbelievers and believers is that we're all desiring to be in the image of Christ. Amen. Praise God. Absolutely. So now the bus, uh, Nathan, it's part of your ministry. Tell us what the bus is all about. The bus was given to us. um, I went out by faith to a, a company in Warrington, actually, and I was just excited. And we went down. And I, and I told him, I said, look, we want a, a bus to reach the, the local community to help people, you know, and, and not only that, we want to preach the gospel as well. You know, we believe that the gospel brings change, we bring brings hope, it brings justice, it bring, brings peace, you know, and I, and I explained this to him and he, he got behind it and basically gave us the bus for free, you know, so the bus was five to ten thousand pounds, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and just the faith of God to come in that situation and give us something for free that we can now use to be a witness and a light and a testimony of the goodness of God. Praise God. You know, and and it's, it's powerful. Praise God. 
Wow, it's amazing. You're doing a great job, uh, Nathan. You have an incredible testimony. I trust that you share that testimony when you're preaching the good news because that's what it's all about, the good news of Jesus in your life. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. We pray God's richest blessing upon you and your work. Today on The Reality, we've been speaking to Nathan Wilde from Preach the Blood Ministries. To find out more about Nathan's work, please visit the website preachthebloodorg the Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. With your prayer and support, we can produce these radio programs to impact lives around the world. Please consider becoming a vision partner with us by going to the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs>